Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. Um, one of the things I do not do as a pastor is I never uh, tell anybody uh, what songs to sing and, and all that. But uh, if, I, if I had told uh, Ashley to pick the songs and my wife to sing that particular song, uh, it would have been those songs. Uh, because this morning's message is about the, the power of Christ in our lives. And um, I'm so very thankful for that. Uh, these songs that we sang this morning, so I trust that it'll be a help and a blessing to you. We'll be in Matthew chapter 25 in a minute, but I want to I want to start by asking a question. I want you to think about this question for a second, and I'll, we'll answer it. Um, what is the difference between a talent and an ability? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there is a difference. A talent, a talent, and an ability. A talent is what you are given by God. An ability is how you grow the talent that you've been given. Each of us, when we are born, God gives us talents. When we are saved, he gives us spiritual gifts or spiritual talents, if you would. And the ability that we have in the, within the realm of those talents is how we grow those abilities through the talents that God's given us. I, I, read an, I read an article recently that may help explain what I'm trying to say here. So let me, let me read you this. Um, I, hope you're, I hope you all uh, like baseball because we're going to be talking about baseball this morning. Um, you know, some of you are like, could care less. But anyway, I, thought it, I think it's a good illustration. Um, uh, it says, right now, there are more than 8,000 professional players in the minor league baseball uh, system. Do you know how many of those players have enough talent alone to make it to the big leagues and stay there? The answer to that is not very many. Okay, They're talking about natural talents. Not many have the, the natural talent to make it to the big leagues and stay there. Now, occasionally you, you come across someone who does, and, and it's an amazing thing to watch, but most do not. What we've seen over and over in these athletes who make it uh, to the major league and move beyond their talents is a focus on their abilities. They don't just show up and play. They put their all into practice, discipline, and focus. Excellence um, uh, uh, almost always takes more than talent. It takes a, the long, difficult road of ability putting their talents into action. In other words, they have to work for it. And practice and practice and practice. An example is this. <clears throat> Let's say uh, the, that there is a pitcher that knows how to locate his fastball. His ability, his ability is to throw the fastball and put it exactly where he wants every single time. Though he may uh, not be able 
though he may not be the best at throwing other pitches, he can always count on his fastball. Instead of leaving him to rely on his God-given talents, we challenge him to consider growing his talents by perfecting other pitches. How can he develop as a pitcher first he he needs to identify his weaknesses. That's that's a key that's a key statement. We need to if we're going to grow in our abilities with in Christ, we need to identify our weaknesses just as a, a professional player does, and then fine tune those weaknesses by listening to his baseball or excuse me by to his pitching coach and learning how to throw other pitches for strikes. He becomes a much more complete and valuable player. While our tendency is to practice what we're good at, we'll never grow our ability until we challenge ourselves to address our weaknesses within our talents. The example that I just read, uh, this would mean working specifically on throwing secondary pitches during both practice and games until it becomes second nature. And the article winds up with this statement. He said, the bottom line is this. Don't stop with your talents. Focus on your God-given ability in order to expose every ounce of your talent. Too often, and, and I agree with this article, too often we we get complacent with what got our, our talents and we fail to expand our abilities. The parable that we're going to look at this morning <clears throat> is kind of a uh, kind of a word game we're going to play a little bit this morning, but we're going to be talking about our talents. But the parable also talks about talents, but it's a different kind of talents. Okay, so Matthew chapter 25 uh, let's start reading in verse 14. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and uh, to another uh, two, and to another one. To every man according to uh, his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he, <clears throat> excuse me, then he that hath received five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two talents also gained two talents. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this, this time together around your word. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, and that you would help us to see what you would have for us in the future as we, as we attempt to develop and to grow our abilities and the talents that you've given us. Thank you for your love. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning's message is the parable of the talents. Now, <clears throat> I do want to clarify one thing here. The talents that 
are mentioned in this parable are not the talents I was talking about at the beginning. Okay, the, the talents in Matthew chapter 25, um, verses 14 and following, are it, it is a measure of money. Okay, so it is it is uh, uh, actually uh, it is a large measure of money that would be equal to 20 years salary for the average laborer at the time. So this is a this is a large amount of money that Jesus is talking about here, and the master, the Lord here that Jesus is talking about, uh, takes his three servants. And he gives them a great deal of money. He gives one of them five talents or, or, or equivalent to, to five times 20 would be, what, a hundred? A hundred years of pay for the average person. This is an exorbitant amount of money that he gives this one servant. And then he gives another one two and another one one year of salary the heart of this parable is very very simple i'm going to share it with you because this is the key here learning to grow your investment or specifically increasing your abilities see the lord here in the story the lord in small letter l the master here gives money to his servants to see what they would do with it. We see here that two of them invest it and they gain money and one of them buries it. So let's talk about point number one, our opportunities. Our opportunities. Verse 15. And he gave one, or, uh, oh, excuse me, and unto one he gave five talents and to the other two and the other one. Every man according to his several or his particular ability and straightway took his journey. This actually shows great discernment on the master's part because the master was able to identify three of his, we, we are assuming because of the, 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 the amount of money that's involved here, these were probably his three most faithful servants. But he identified a characteristic in each of them that was different from the other. And he gave one of them five talents. Again, that's, that's, that's an incredible amount of money. And then he gave one two talents, and he gave one just one talent. But he was, he was able to identify what each of them could handle. The last, about two months ago, maybe a little bit more now, um, the last time my mom was in the hospital, we, we sat and talked a good while. Uh, just her and I, we just sat and chatted, and she told me stories. And, and anyway, we ended up talking about something. She said, did I ever tell you uh, uh, about this particular supervisor that I had. And I, how we got started on it, I don't know. But anyway, she, so she told me a story about a, about a supervisor that she had when she worked at McDonnell Douglas Aircraft Company. 
that was a was a horrible boss. How many of you have ever had a horrible boss? Okay, we've all been there. Okay, um, and one of the one of the problems is in in big companies is people are promoted beyond their abilities, and in this particular case, my mom was telling me that what happened was this guy that, that got promoted into being her supervisor in, in the engineering department at McDonnell Douglas came from the manufacturing side of the company. You know, where they, they were actually, he came from the area where they were actually building airplanes. And they promoted him into the engineering div- division of, of McDonnell Douglas. And he knew nothing about engineering, and he had no desire to learn about engineering. And within three months, the production le- the production level within her department had dropped so bad that the upper management removed him and brought somebody new in. What what was the problem? Was it that he wasn't smart or wasn't you know? The problem was he he was promoted above his ability. And so often we need to understand that God gives each of us different abilities. And just because there is there is opportunity and the and the and the this, the master here in this story understood that everybody has different talents and abilities. And he gave according to what he felt they could handle. My point is this. God has given you the exact talent that he wants you to have. It's up to you to develop the abilities to maximize the talents that God's given us. There is a saying that people, I hear people say it periodically, and they say it is in the Bible, but I'm telling you it's not. Okay, this is the saying. God will only give you what you can handle. That's not in the Bible. Okay? Where they get that from is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says this, There had no temptation taken you, <clears throat> but such as common to man. But God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So what is the principle here? The principle here is this. God will bring things into our lives. But through Christ and the power of Christ, and we sang about it this morning, all things through Christ. My wife mentioned that the person who wrote the song that she sang, <clears throat> his wife was going, uh, or was going through treatment for stage 3 breast cancer. And, and do, do you think that at the beginning of that diagnosis, had, had, if you had had the ability to go to that individual and say, hey, do you think you can handle what is about to happen? What do you think the answer would have been? 
No. But what happened? They depended on Christ and Christ got them through it. But what she didn't tell you is simultaneous to the man who wrote the song, his wife having breast cancer, his father also had leukemia. So his, his dad and his wife were incredibly sick at the same time. Now, you, you look at that scenario and you think, there's no way I could handle that. And the reality is, more than likely, he probably would have said the same thing prior to the event. But the fact is, it was through Christ, all things through Christ. So we can handle more than we think we can. God gives us talents, and it's up to us to develop those abilities. It is up to us to stretch and to grow our faith. God will not allow difficulties to come into our lives without the power of Christ to help us through those difficulties. He's not going to bring things into our lives and say, okay, you're on your own. Deal with it. That's not how He works. Difficulties do come in our lives. And I promise you, if you're not in a, in a difficult situation right now, you will be eventually. It's part of life. And how do you handle those difficulties? Hopefully it's through the power of Christ in your life. He will provide a way to endure the test. Every time. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 37. Uh, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. How, how do we become more than conquerors? It's through Christ. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, uh, For whatsoever is born of God uh, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Where does, the, where does the victory come? It comes from our faith, developing our faith. And that is, the, uh, the, the, I believe, the heartbeat of the, of the parable that Jesus is telling here. Point number two this morning. Let's look at the sudden return. Look at verse 19 of our, of our parable. And after a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and reckoned with them. The word reckon there is, a, is an accounting term that means to set the books straight. Uh, if you've ever been in business for yourself um, or you've ever been audited by the IRS, hopefully nobody's ever been done that. Um, but, but it's a reckoning or, or the, the balancing of the checkbook, if you would. But it, it, is, the, it is to give an account, it, it literally sit down with the master here and, and have come before him and say, okay, I gave you this, what, what, is, what is my return? Verse 20, 
to give an account. The way I understand this verse is really, really simple. They didn't know when the Master was coming back. The idea of this passage, this verse here in verse 19, is the fact that He just showed up one day. He didn't, he didn't send a messenger ahead. He just showed up and said, let's sit down and talk, boys. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, in my opinion, this is a clear picture of the rapture. We don't know when it's coming, but we must be ready for the rapture. Because we will give an account for what we've done. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall uh, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The Lord is coming. And there is a time in the future that He is going to hold us accountable. Point number three. Using our opportunities. Using our opportunities. And and, let's read verses um, uh, 20 uh, and following. It says, So He that had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast uh, delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful with a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained another two talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over uh, over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, uh, I, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, uh, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not uh, strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent uh, in the earth. Lo, there, uh, thou, there thou hast. That, that is thine. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtst therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I could have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and shall the abundance shall have abundance, but from him that hath not 
shall be taken away, even that which is he hath. And cast and and cast ye the uh, unprofitable servant into the utter into uh, shush, into outer darkness. Uh, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For years, as I read this parable, I often thought <clears throat> that there were three types of servants. And these are the three types of servants that I, that I categorized. The first one was the super talented. The second one was the talented. And the third one was the no talent. That, that's what I thought. I thought, I thought, man, this guy with 10 talents now, or 11 now actually, uh, boy, he is just super talented. And then the other guy, the guy in the middle is, you know, yeah, he's talented, but he's not as good as the first guy. And then the last guy, uh, he's not talented at all. But as I studied and I prayed over this and I, and I, I did a lot of research and reading, and you know, you know what God says here? There are only two types of servants. And, and please get this, because this is absolutely critical to understanding this parable. There are only two types of servants. Faithful servants and unfaithful servants. Because just because one has God-given God talent to manage more money than the second one does not make him any less important to God. The, the importance here is not how much they have, but the fact that they are obedient and profitable servants. Question. What did the master say to the first servant after he told him that he had gained another five, five, five talents? Look at verse 21. He said, And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What did he say to the second servant who had gained two more talents? Look at verse 23. And the Lord said unto him, Well, well done, good and faithful servant. He said the exact same thing to both faithful servants. He did not commend the first one any more than he did the second one. They both got the same commendation, if you would, because of their faithfulness to what God had given them, or to what he had given them. Earlier, I, I made a statement. I want to I kind of expand it a little bit. I said this, God has uh, given you exact talents that you need but I want to add this, this last part to it. And he wants you to grow them and develop them. Every one of us has been given talents and abilities, or, or talents, and, our, and, and the abilities that we have, we need to grow them so that, so that we can expand and, and be more profitable to the Lord, if you would. I have a picture here for you that I've... I've, I've I've had this for years. I don't know if you can see it or not. Uh, the words, anyway, it says, 
Victory happens when 10,000 hours of training meet one moment of opportunity. 10,000 hours of training meet one opportunity. That's when victory happens. How many times those of you that are sports lovers have, have heard the phrase, well, that is the play of a lifetime. The hours and hours and hours and hours that athletes spend fine-tuning their abilities can culminate into one moment where they can win the game or, or win the World Series or whatever the scenario may be, the Super Bowl, whatever. It doesn't matter. The life of a Christian can be the same thing. Two faithful servants received the same combination. Well done, good and faithful servant. Faithfulness, and please get this, faithfulness is not determined by how much we have. It is determined by what we do with what we have. And, and, and for years when I read this, this, this parable, I, I totally misunderstood what Jesus was trying to communicate here because I felt like that the, the, the first servant, the first servant was more faithful than the second. And that's not the case. They were both faithful. And God determines faithfulness by not how much we have, but how faithful we are with what we have been given. What did Paul tell Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7? For I am uh, now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can you, can you pick, picture what it would be like in heaven if when you get to heaven, Jesus greets you and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and, and you have the ability of looking back over the, the hard things that you've been through in your life. And Jesus says, you know what? It was worth it all. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And as I sat and I thought and I prayed and I was contemplating everything that was going on in this parable, I came. I I I I, I had this thought. God gave me. I believe God gave me this thought. Um, but what if I did hear that when I got to heaven? Well done, good and faithful servant. Would it be because I led 10,000 people to Jesus Christ? Or that I gave a million dollars to the church? Or that I had perfect attendance at church? Or I fed the poor? Or anything that I did? No. What would generate that kind of comment from Jesus Christ when I get to heaven? It would be because I was faithful with what he gave me. Not because I did anything spectacular. Too often we get discouraged because there are people, we see people that are much more talented than we are. They sing and they, 
they do this or they do that, and they you think, I could never do that. Well, you know what? God hasn't necessarily called you to do that. But if he has called you to do it, get busy doing it. Micah chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Will the Lord be pleased with uh, 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 thousands of rams or with ten thousands of uh, rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, for the fruit of my body, uh, uh, for the sin of my soul? Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says this, He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? On Wednesday nights, we've been uh, studying, we've actually been studying the book of Micah uh, on Wednesday night uh, the last few weeks. And we came across these two verses. Can you go back to verse 7, Chris, please? Uh, and and I, I, I absolutely love verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil? What is the what is Micah trying to communicate here? God is not impressed by anything that we have or, or do. We can we could all collectively gather millions upon millions of dollars and give it all to God, and God would not be impressed with that. Because he only is impressed with our faithfulness. And that's why when Jesus was with his disciples in the, in the temple and the poor widow gave her two mites, she gave all that she had. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody else combined together has given. Why? Because giving comes from the heart, not from the pocketbook. And God wants us to be faithful with what he's given us. We cannot impress God with anything that we have except our faithfulness. He has shown the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with my God. That's what God wants from us. Not 10,000 rams or 15 billion gallons of oil or anything else. He wants our faithfulness. I believe that the master in our story here, and I went through a scenario when I was kind of going through this, and I thought, what, what do you think the master would have done if the guy with one talent had come to him and said, you know what, I took it, I invested it, and I lost it? Do you think he would have been as angry as he was with him just burying it and doing nothing with it? I don't think he would have been. I don't think he'd have been really happy about it, but at least he would have tried. And so often we, we fail to step out in faith because really is that not what God wants us to do is step out in faith and trust Him. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've, I have felt like 
God wants me to do something and, I, and I'm, I'm scared. Just being honest. I'm scared and I think, God, I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do. But God says, you know what, Rick? Just step out in faith and let me help you through it. And afterward, I'm able to reflect and come back and say, thank you, God, you got me through. See, that's what God wants. And there have been times that I've done what I felt like God wanted me to do, and I've fallen flat on my face. But when I stand before God one day, I'll be able to tell him, hey, at least I tried. At least I tried. The fear, the fear that this man had was a paralyzing fear fear he was scared to death but the bible also talks about fears being a good thing uh, job was a man who feared god in job chapter 1 and verse 8 it says uh, and the lord said unto satan hast thou considered my servant job that there is none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man one who feareth god and escheweth evil the word fear here literally means to highly respect. But that's not the kind of fear that this servant had. He was scared. And because he was scared, he, he was paralyzed from doing anything for, for his master. Let's kind of close it all up with one more point, And that is lessons to learn. As I... As I kind of was going through this, I, 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 I see two very clear lessons that we need to learn here. In verse 30, And uh, cast ye the unprofitable servant uh, into outer darkness that shall be weeping, uh, excuse me, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, first off, I want to tell you this. One lesson here is, is he's not referring to losing his salvation here. Okay, that's not what he's talking about here. Um, I don't believe that is referring to hell either because it's, it's not inner darkness, but outer darkness. Our salvation, if we are saved, our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I believe what he's, what he's talking about here is the, the fact that there were the, the, the loss of relationship between the servant and the master. The servant and the master. Uh, it definitely uh, is losing favor with the master. More than likely, he's uh, uh, losing position with the master. He would never be trusted again. And quite honestly, I personally think he probably even lost his job, period. Being cast out. No longer able to communicate with the master. This, the picture here, I believe, is one of relationship. The second lesson, and I think this is the, the heartbeat of the, the, the parable, is we will give an account for what we've done with what God has given us. 
there will be a day when each of us will stand before God and give an account for what we for the talents that God has given us. We will give an account for everything that we have done. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. There is a time in the future that Christ will there there will God will have what we call the judgment seat of Christ and Christ will stand and we will come before God and we will give an account. But please, please, please do not mistake the judgment seat of Christ with the great white throne judgment. Two different two different things. Okay? The judgment seat of Christ is reserved for those who are saved, for those that know God. Those that have trusted Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he has done, whether it be good or bad. We will stand before God and we will give an account. And I believe, again, that's what that's the heartbeat of this parable. All three of these servants had to account for their actions. All three of them did. All three of the all three of these servants were judged equally. The one who who buried his his talents his talent was was not judged any any unfairly it was they were everybody was judged equally he, he they came before the master and and the master said okay i gave you x what do you have to show for yourself all three of them were judged equally and the point is this no matter what our talents we will all stand before christ and we will all be judged equally my question to you is what have you done with what god has given you I can't answer that question. Only you can. All three of the servants were found either faithful or unfaithful. That is the only thing. Will we be faithful or will we be unfaithful? That is your choice. Again, let me close with the picture I showed you earlier. Victory happens when 10,000 hours of training meet one moment of opportunity. What are you doing with what God's given you? You say, but Pastor, God hasn't given me anything. No, God has. God has given each of us talents. It's up to us to develop the abilities within the talents God's given us. Because we will stand before him one day and give an account for it. What are you doing with it? That, I believe, is the heartbeat of this parable. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us. And Lord, help us to take what you've given us and to develop them and to exercise them and help us to be faithful what you've given us. We are truly, truly blessed. With every head bowed.